0: God, we just thank you for that blessing that we have through our Lord Jesus Christ. God, that you sent your Son. God, even though we were hostile towards you, God, you made a way, you made a path. And I, God, I just pray as we come and we listen to a message that reminds us of that way, our Lord Jesus Christ, God, that we would just be pricked. God, our ears will be open and our hearts will be open to what you have for us. And, God, we just give you honor and glory, and we praise saints in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you give the team a hand for a wonderful job this morning? <clears throat> and What powerful words. Well, good morning. good morning. It is great to see you all. And those who are watching or listening online, we thank you so much for tuning in and joining us on this beautiful day. Hope you've had a great week, and thank you for starting it off with us here at first rustum the mariana trench is the deepest place in the world if you drop a fork off your cruise ship don't dive in after it here it's it's near japan and you obviously can obviously see china here in guam the mariana trench at its deepest point is 36,000 feet deep almost 7 miles down you're not going to touch bottom so don't even try it is uh, it's long. It's a, a 1,500 miles long, and it's wide. It, it averages 43 miles in width. That is a deep and wide place. Wouldn't you agree? No matter if you agree or not, it really is deepest place in the world. We are starting a sermon series today in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, and obviously we're going to be in Ephesians 1 this morning, and Ephesians is a tremendously deep book. In fact, the passage we're going to look at this morning is, is really deep. I think, like the book, though, it's wide. It's wide in that it's deep enough to scratch your deepest theological itch for some of you, but it's wide enough to minister to or reach any of us that are, that are willing to be reached and minister to. And verse 1 and 2, it starts, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God— to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace, which was a common way you'd start a letter, from our Lord Jesus Christ, Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to show you on a map where Ephesus was. It no longer exists. There's Athens, which was there then, the same place. There's Jerusalem. There's Ephesus there. It was a great city in many ways. It was a port town, so it was wealthy. It had a magnificent library there. It was a very intellectual center also. It, it had a gigantic uh, temple for pagan worship, a particular god we'll see and goddess. Uh, we'll see more in the weeks ahead where people worship. So it was a place that was rich culturally. It was very diverse, uh, even with the, the ethnicity, but it was also people's religious views and things like that was very different. Some people believe that Mary... Jesus' mother actually was a part of the church in Ephesus in the later years of her life, which may or may not be true. makes it interesting. Paul went there. He started a church. He stayed three years. He had a great ministry there and a crazy ministry there. He, he led a lot of people to Christ. He discipled people. He got abused and roughed up. A, a tremendous ministry. But he's writing now. It's about A.D. 61. That's, uh, uh, you know, about Jesus died and arose we'll say A.D. 33, 34 somewhere around in there. So about 15 to 16 years after that he's writing these people now i hope you take notes i hope you take notes and if you're taking notes one of the things you're going to see we're going to look at verse 1 through 14 this morning is that the phrase or in from from verse 1 through 13 the the phrase in christ or through christ is used 11 times in 13 verses so it's huge it's very important understanding this complicated passage in Christ or through Christ, 11 times in 13 verses. And in fact, in the book of Ephesians, which is only six chapters, in Christ or through Christ is used 35 times. So it's a profound part of this book and a profound part of the message for us. But I want to begin with this, and then we're going to unpack from here this, past, this sermon. I, I use the first person personal, what I have, what I have or I can have in Jesus, Okay. That's what we're going to see this morning. What I have, if you're a Christian, what I have in Jesus, or what I can have. Here's the great news this morning. If you're a Christ follower, man, this is for you. This is for you to embrace, to take in, to swallow, and cherish this morning. If you're not a Christian, the great news is that you can become a Christ follower today if you will follow Jesus. So here's what what, you're going to see. what you have. But we've got to begin with this. A person becomes a Christ follower when they believe. Now, not believe in Santa Claus or Abraham Lincoln, but when they believe in Jesus. We didn't put there, just as a little bit wording. You become a Christ follower. I did not become a Christ follower when I got baptized at 9. In fact, I became a Christ follower 10 years later at 19. Not, not trying to kick anything. You did not become a Christ follower when you got christened or you got sprinkled or when you joined the church. You become a Christ follower, what the Bible says, when you believe in Jesus. We go to verse 11, and we're going to come back and start in verse 3 in just a moment. It says, in him, there's that phrase we're going to see over and over, in him you were also chosen, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. That is a mouthful. Leave that there if you would, Uh, Danny. Just leave that there right now. Okay, Paul says, in him, okay, that's in Christ, in him, through Christ, with Christ. You see that phrase there. We, who's he talking about? Well, he's probably talking about not only himself, but maybe fellow Jewish people, maybe the people and the friends with him. He says, we were chosen having been predestined. In our uh, America today, there's been kind of a, a revival movement of a theology called Calvinism, some called Reformed Theology. It's in our Southern Baptist Convention. It's, it's been revived some in recent years too. Now, I'm, I am not at all trying to disparage anything. I'm just going to very briefly give you a 30-second description of of kind of the basis of that as John Calvin or John Piper have laid out. Basically that God has chosen people, predestined people to be saved, and he's chosen or predestined other people to go to hell. That's really good if you're on the chosen for heaven team, right? Really good. Now, Again, some people say, well, he didn't choose other people for hell, but, but by default, he did. If the only way you can be saved is if God chose you, then if he didn't choose you, by default, you don't go to heaven. I'm not disparaging that. You say, well, well Chris, what does your church believe? Our church as a church, our ministry team and our church statement of faith, we don't believe that. We believe that everyone can be saved. God wants everyone to be saved. So what if you do believe that? Are you still welcome in our church? Absolutely, you're welcome in our church. I would just tell you, if you're ever teaching, we would, not ask, we would ask you not to teach against our st- church statement of faith. But I want to show you the confusion a lot of times lies into what is chosen or predestined. The word chosen literally means to be selected, okay? It means to select something or someone to yourself. The word predestined, now this week as I was studying one Bible scholar said this, and this is the truth. He said, the problem, a lot of people try to define predestination with an English dictionary, but the New Testament was written in Greek. You need to know what the word meant originally. When I was in graduate school, 1987, I was three years old, and I went to one of my professors because I was, this was confusing to me. And this guy had a Ph.D. in Greek. The New Testament was written in Greek, so this guy was a top Bible scholar. And I asked him, I said, Dr. Reeves, what does predestined mean? And he simply said, if you're taking notes, write this down. It means to draw out the boundaries ahead of time. It means to draw out the boundaries ahead of time. So when you look at this passage, and you're going to see it 11 times in 13 verses, in him, in him, we were not arbitrarily chosen. It was not a lottery, and our name was just picked out. We were chosen in him, having been predestined. Folks, here's the deal. Before the world ever began, God foreknew that we were going to blow it. God knew we were going to sin. God knew he was going to send Jesus. Jesus was going to die. He was going to walk out of the tomb. And that salvation was going to be in Jesus Christ alone. The boundary of salvation, if you want to go to heaven, is in Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through through me. Paul says, we were chosen in him. Verse 12 in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. Now, verse 13 is where it gets personal for you and me. And you also were included, what's that phrase? In Christ, when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the Holy Spirit. Now, the word believe... In the New Testament, when it says to believe in Christ, again, it's not like I believe in Santa Claus, I believe in Abraham Lincoln, I believe in Jesus. The word believe that saves you, it means you place your faith and your life in Christ. It is a repentance of your sins, and it is a surrender to Jesus Christ. It's not good enough just to believe academically. You are believing with your life. Notice what he said. God chose you in Christ god predestined us in christ when you heard the gospel the gospel is that jesus came born of a virgin lived a sinless life died on the cross walked out of the tomb and the gospel is that he will save you and forgive you that's great news if you will believe in him and he says you will be saved he was telling them they were saved and i'm telling you this morning if you're a christian you were saved when you heard the truth and you surrendered your life to jesus But I'm telling you this morning, the hope for you and me, if you're not a Christian, is you hear the message this morning, and you're hearing it. It may not be good, but you're hearing the truth. If you will respond to it, you will be saved today. When you place your faith in Christ, you become a part of Christ. Now, what do we have in Christ? I'm going to lay out several things this passage says, and they're absolutely wonderful. Here's the the second thing this morning. In Christ, we have blessings beyond our ability to grasp. How many of you like to be blessed? How many of you enjoy your birthday? How many of you enjoy giving gifts at Christmas? How many of you enjoy receiving gifts at Christmas? Come on, let's be honest. Amen. It is blessed to give and it is blessed to receive, isn't it? Look in verse 3 what he says. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. What does he say? In Christ now I want you to get a hold to this he's saying this to them he's saying this to you and me if you are in Christ you belong to Christ you have believed in Christ God blesses us here now but man in heaven waiting on you and me is not some blessings but every spiritual blessing in Jesus John chapter 14 Jesus was fixing to leave he was going to die and he was going to go back to rise and then go back to heaven but he told his guys this he said guys I'm going but I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come get you someday I want you to think about this this morning man God's prepared a place in heaven for you if you give your life to Christ today he's preparing a place in heaven for you they ought to make a country western song I'd rather be in a mobile home in heaven than a mansion in hell amen Because if God's created it, that's going to be absolutely wonderful. The Bible says in heaven, the streets are gold. Some of you got a gold visa or a gold MasterCard. And we like to get gold and we like money and this and that. In heaven, what we value the most is going to be pavement. Isn't that cool? You know, the Bible says in heaven that your health and my health will be perfect. Won't that be great? And some of us guys, we're going to have hair again, brother. Isn't that wonderful? We're going to have hair and teeth. I think we'll be 20 years old forever. Some of you don't know that, but that was a good time many years ago. I think Perfect health. You'll be with people who are in Christ that you love forever. The Bible says there's no more death in heaven. Perfect health, looking at the face of Jesus forever. Man, how wonderful is that? Does it get any better? No, it doesn't get any better we got every spiritual blessing in Christ. Here's the third thing. In Christ, you were chosen before the creation of the world. You were chosen before the creation of the world. How many of you remember when you were a kid and you picked teams on the playground? How many of you? You don't need to raise your hand on this. How many of you were the last picked occasionally? Josh Sanderson, our youth minister, is out this morning, so Josh was always the last kid picked. It was tough on him, tough on him. Let's see what God says in verse 4. For he chose us, you get this, in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. And inside, the part of the choosing is stuff we're supposed to do. Remember the word choose means to select or or to choose something for yourself. Chose us in him. Listen, again, before the creation of the world, God knew he could foreknow what was going to happen. And he said, listen, my way is in Jesus Christ. And every person who is in Christ, who comes to Christ, I'm deciding ahead of time to choose them. I'm deciding to choose them unto myself and for myself. Wow. Man. In Jesus Christ, you're not last, you're first. Before there was ever a world, God decided to choose you to himself in Jesus Christ. Here's, a, here's the fourth thing. Through Christ, we were predestined to be adopted into God's family. Remember that word predestined means to draw out the boundaries ahead of time. Look what it says in verse 5 and 6. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to that praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us and the one he loves. Yeah, put verse 5 there. Predestined, remember, to draw out the boundaries ahead of time. Remember, Jesus knew what was going to happen. We were going to sin. Man was going to mess up with God. He was going to send Jesus to come and to die and to walk out of the tomb. And God's predetermined plan was this, that you, you this morning who've never believed in Christ, never followed Christ, that if you'll give your life to Christ today, that it was predetermined he was going to adopt you into his family. But what does that mean? We know here what adoption means. Adoption means you bring someone legally into your family who's not a biological part of it. You bring someone who is not a natural part of your family legally into your family. It's a beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. And in the Roman world, it was a beautiful thing too. The Romans took it very seriously. It it was a legal process. It was a thought-through process. It wasn't an easy process to happen But when you got adopted in the Roman world into a family, you were a part of the family. You got full family rights and full family benefits of that family. I'm going to tell you something great this morning. When you became a child of God, you got adopted into God's family. God brought you in. You got the full benefits of a child of God in Jesus Christ. If I'm trying to sell you on giving your life to Christ, that's a pretty good selling point this morning. Because God predetermined when you would bow your knee to him, he would adopt you into his family, and you would have full rights as a child of God in the family of God. Here's the fifth thing. In Christ, we have total forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Not a little bit of forgiveness, total forgiveness. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Let's go back to verse 7. You notice it starts within him. It's not arbitrary. It's not accidental. It doesn't just happen because who your mom or dad is. It's in Christ. The word redemption was a powerful word 2,000 years ago. I'm going to preach on this passage as we get near Easter, so I'm just going to touch on it this morning. But it was used when a slave was made free. Slavery in the Roman world was much different than it is to, you know, we think about it even in our American history. It was not a racial thing. You could be white, black, or you could be an Asian, or probably anything but a Roman citizen. You could be a slave. And they medical doctors were slaves or common laborers were slaves. And the only way you could get your freedom was if your boss, or your owner, let you free or if you purchased it or someone purchased it for you. A slave had no rights at all, no freedom at all, but if someone paid the redemption price, you were free. You were free. It was also used for prisoners. Prison back then is not like it is today. You either got a death sentence or you languished away in some grimy, nasty jail unless you had a family member or a friend who could redeem you, who could go in and pay a price to set you free. So here's what God says. When you come to me, when you give your life to me, if you never have, you do it this morning, or you have, man, God's redeemed you. He sets you free from the power of sin. He sets you free from death and hell. We're still sinning, we still struggle. But God says, I've forgiven you of every sin you've ever committed. Can you imagine? Listen, when a child got adopted, or a young adult got adopted into a family in Roman time, Every debt, every problem or issue from the old family was forgiven. They were not held accountable. And when you got saved or you get saved this morning, God's forgiven everything in your past. Your sin of unbelief, your adultery, your fornication, whatever that sin may be. And as a Christian, when we stay close to Christ and confess our sins and walk with God, God forgives our sins daily. I don't know about you, but the devil gets on my shoulder a lot and reminds me of my sins. He ever do that to any of you? Man, let Jesus remind you when you walk with him, you're forgiven. Can you imagine when you stand before God someday, you may kind of ease in there, kind of wonder, how's this going to go? And God looks at you and said, man, I forgave you. You are forgiven. You are clean. We have total forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Here's the sixth thing an interesting thing god's ultimate plans are revealed in christ god's ultimate plans about the the, everything are revealed in christ see we're wondering things that that are important what's going to happen with russia and ukraine biden doesn't know i don't know jesus does he's just not talking what's going to happen with china and taiwan what's going to happen with our economy hopefully those things will simmer down and we won't even be thinking about them in a year or two But God reveals his ultimate plan. In verse 9 and 10, listen to what it says. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. Verse 10, to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and earth and under earth. Listen listen to what he says here. The word mystery, if you're taking notes, means a secret that's been revealed. It's a secret reveal. In the New Testament, when it uses the word mystery, it's talking about something that was once hidden that's now been made known. This is deep. But here's what he's saying. I want you to look at Colossians 1, 26 and 27, and then I'll explain it more. The mystery that had been kept for ages and generations but now is disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is in Christ, you, the hope of his glory. You see, in the Old Testament, the prophets, Moses, King David, those people, they longed for the Messiah to come. They longed to understand these things and to see these things. But at the right time, 2,000 years ago, here's what God says. I sent Jesus to come, my son, my son to come and to die and to walk out of the tomb and to provide salvation and forgiveness. You and I have been privy to that. The Bible says this, that we know Jesus, after he died and arose, he went back to heaven, and he sits on the throne. And someday he's coming again, and he's going to make everything right. And those who are in Christ are going to reign and rule with him forever and ever in a new heaven and new earth. We know how it ends, and it ends wonderfully if you're in Christ. We know the plan. We know the plan. And I want to give you one last thought. We are eternally secure in Christ. We're eternally secure. Folks, in 2007, I preached these verses in three sermons. I didn't want to tell you all that at the beginning of the sermon, or I knew you'd run out thinking we're going to be here till 2. I'm squeezing this in pretty quick. This is rich stuff. This is the once saved, always saved. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but do you believe that? I mentioned the Calvinism and the, the reform uh, movement a moment ago. I, some of my best friends in Texas and in Louisiana who are preachers do not believe once saved, always saved. Can you be a member of our church and, and, and not believe that? Sure you can. We wouldn't want you to teach against it, but some of my best friends don't believe you're always saved. Why do I believe it? Because I'm a Baptist? No. I think I can show you from the Bible right here why I believe it. In verse 13, look what it says. And you also were included in Christ when, when you heard the gospel, and when you believed, and you were marked in him with a seal of the promised Holy Spirit. Leave that there, Danny. A seal 2,000 years ago was a huge thing. Josh found us a picture of a ring, uh, of a signet, a seal ring. That's from Egypt. That had some markings on it, which would have meant a lot of things to a a person, some important things thousands of years ago. A seal could be a ring. It could be a stamp used by an important person. What a seal did is it said something's genuine. It said who it was from or who owned it. It authenticated it. It secured it. If you go today to the grocery store to buy cough medicine and the seal's broke and the lid's loose and half of it's gone, please tell me you won't buy that. No, because the seal secures it. In verse 14, he says, The Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance, guaranteeing our inheritance until the Lord comes back, until the end of things. Now, the, the deposit was two things then. It was like down payment, good payment. I'm going to pay you $1,000, and I will pay you out the next 50000 over the next 80 years of my life. It was an engagement ring that you give to your fiancé, and you tell her if you behave, we'll get married someday, right? I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, well, you know, I'm a business person and people will put money down and they don't follow through. They don't do this. Or or you give an engagement ring and and, and he wants it back or she throws it back at him. (laughs) I mean, I've seen both of those things happen. But, hey, God's not a fickle human. God's not a fickle human. When God says... I'm putting the Holy Spirit in you as a deposit for what's waiting for you in heaven. He means it. And he's not going back on his word. When the Holy Spirit puts an engagement ring on you, God puts an engagement ring on you, he's going to follow through. He means it. When the Holy Spirit, God says, I sealed your heart. I marked you as my possession. I made you safe and genuine with the Holy Spirit. He means it. That's why I believe once you are in Christ, you can never be outside of Christ. Although we do a lot of dumb things, I believe we are eternally His because the Holy Spirit of God has secured us and marked us and been put in us to guarantee someday when we walk into heaven, God's going to say, you belong to me. We're secure. I struggled this week with how I would end this sermon. Y'all have acted a little bit like I was preaching on hell, but this is supposed to be a happy sermon. Maybe this will make you happy. Some comic relief. It's going to tie in, I promise. I love the Three Stooges. If you're a woman, I get it. I tried to convince every girl I ever dated and my wife that they should love the three students. It's just not going to happen, guys. They they just—they don't get us. If you are a man and you have a real man card, you, you love these guys. Chris, you're immature. Well, yeah, duh. You know, I have a great job, but I, I, do, I deal with death. I deal with issues and problems. I read about four hours a day. I love that. But when I get home and then I watch the news for 30 minutes I jump out of my window thank God we have a one story house I need some comic relief and the three stooges are wonderful They're just not very deep <laughs> but boy what we saw this morning is wonderful now, I hear Christians all the time we want to go deep you do not go any deeper than what we did this morning with that passage that's as deep as it gets but it's as wide as it's as wide as the love and the grace of God this morning if you're not in Christ my goodness give your life to Christ today you're watching online stay with us you're in the room stay with us I'm going to help you in a moment to pray and find Christ as your Lord if you're ready We'll talk to you after church. Or you can come today. When we stand, you can come and let one of our ministers help you. Why would you not want to be in Christ this morning? Come on, give your life to you. You can leave here on your way to heaven and with the Holy Spirit living in you. You're looking for a church home. You can join online. You can come when we stand and join our church. You can do it after church. We're a church. Man, we really do. We want to lift up Jesus. We want to... Deal with the deep stuff and the fun stuff. If that's what you're looking for, join us today. You're a Christian. How are you and I living in response to this? I mean, Jesus get our leftovers. It's part of our life. Man, he needs all of it. He needs every bit of us. I want to encourage you to just resurrender to him. Maybe where you're standing or at the altar, you just want to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for what you've done and what you're doing for me. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you. All oh, to Jesus I surrender, oh, to him I free. Trust him in his presence. But if you're really sincere and you're ready to, to surrender your life to Christ, pray with me. Pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me. Come into my heart. And I surrender my life to you, Jesus. I surrender to you. I am a gospel preacher, heart on fire, freedom singing, testifier, because I've been. Re- Trouble. I have joy through the struggle, now my hope's in a brighter day, I am a mountain mover, water walker, more than just an overcomer, cause I've been set free.